0: i got one question for you. Is Santa sexy? No, we're not doing this. Because I was thinking about
1: this today. I was thinking we could do, like, we could just snow on the roofs, pitter-patter
0: of reindeer, but no, we have to talk about... Santa, and whether or not he's hot, because I was thinking about it earlier today as I listened to uh, Santa Baby play on the radio over at a restaurant for lunch, mm-hmm. and I became very perplexed why we have so many songs and things in our culture that want to have sex with Santa Claus. Do we? Because All I want for Christmas is you. Is you. Is not, is not about necessarily about
1: Santa. Santa. Santa baby is about Santa, santa she baby's about Santa she asks him to marry her basically and i know
0: and i know that i saw mommy kissing santa claus last night is a story about a young child witnessing his father dressed up as santa in some sort of weird sexual role play but mm. to the narrator what he is seeing and, is real. And to the wife, she is having sex with someone dressed as Santa or yeah. kissing,
1: I assume that.
0: Interesting that the man is the one dressed up in that in that very old song. Because there's all sorts of weird fetishes for like women yeah. dressed as professions or something.
1: <laughs> it's so funny that you talk about that because I was thinking, <laughs> yeah. well in the mythos of Santa Claus, he would be the, more, like, the most obvious person. So I like how you're thinking about it in a larger detail and I'm just like, well no, the mythology yeah. of <laughs> the way that the Santa Claus hierarchy pyramid goes is he's right there at the top, mm-hmm. and then under him is
0: Mrs. Claus. Heyo. <laughs> I thought it was really sad when Coca-Cola destroyed the Santa EU. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: The Santa Extended Universe. When they said all the novels that were written weren't
0: canon anymore. Yeah, all the all those old Rankin and Bass <laughs> shorts. That's out the window. I'm okay with that. Anyways, that's our hot take for this week. But What's wait, going it's on It's Christmas. Here. It is. It is literally Christmas right now. And general holidays. No, we we, we don't want to. No,
1: no, I know. But today, when this comes out, Monday, December twenty fifth. Oh shit! Well, this episode it's literally, literally, literally coming out, Christmas? out on Christmas. Oh, okay, yeah,
0: yeah. cool. Yeah. Okay, then happy happy Christmas, everybody. <laughs>
1: As the saying goes, have happy a Christmas. happy Christmas, everybody. Yeah. Happy Hanukkah, which is overish. I'm going to say, I you don't know, celebrate Hanukkah how you want.
0: <laughs> well, who
1: far why, be
0: from us to tell you how? Why eight consecutive days? Just pick eight months and one day out of those months. Uh, what do we do on this program when we're not talking about how much we adore this sexy holiday season? And happy
1: solstice, Ramadan, and Kwanzaa as well. Uh, just wanted to hit all the big ones I know.
0: <laughs> okay. Can you answer um, my question now, Liam? We wait that's for Santa now. Claus so I, we can kidnap I, him. I am so desperate. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I think I could kidnap yeah. Santa oh, Claus. Oh, very easily. He's an old fat man. He's so naive. <laughs> he, he
1: eats only cookies. I'm very, I'm like not that in shape, but I could take on Santa do you Claus. Think,
0: do you think Santa Claus counts like premeditated stuff, like say Santa kidnapping as naughty? Because maybe that's how he's slipped away all these years <laughs> he just doesn't go to those people <laughs> yeah. probably yeah to be fair if i if i like had just met you and then this is and crazy ascertained that you were scheming to kidnap me i don't think i'd go over to your house yeah
1: this is media major it's <laughs> it's a special sure. christmas edition where one of us tells a christmas story and one of us finishes and the other out. fucks off <laughs> the other does his own thing the other ruins the theme which again. Is, which is how you should treat
0: christmas do what you want to do.
1: Yeah. As long as it doesn't hurt people, yourself, or animals.
0: Nobody owns this. And nobody Oh, owns no, the you. corporations own this. That's Are you true. kidding me? Coke, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola literally invented
1: Santa Claus. That's not a joke. Look it up.
0: Tom. Every week we tell each other. I'm Liam,
1: you're Tom. We forget to do that.
0: Oh man, we're crushing this intro. Every week we tell each other a true story from our preferred mediums. Usually it's centered around a theme, but because I'm in the midst of what was a two-parter and now has evolved into a three-parter. Congratulations. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Did you use a water stone? Uh, No, I I, I did a home birth.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I wish, I wish they did Pokemon home birthing as a part of Pokemon.
0: So, you'll be telling a Christmas story, as said, but I'll be kicking us off this week continuing my... descent to madness. Now my three-part story about trash talk and video games. I'm Oscar the Grouch! I'm
1: in the trash talking!
0: <laughs> Chapter one. So, just for anybody who hasn't listened to the previous episode, a brief... Stop this podcast. Go back and listen to it. I'm so proud of that episode. <laughs> it's a really good episode. You did a very good job. I oh, thank you. Here's a brief rundown of what happened last week. As with many other social interactions, transitioning into the online space, trash talk is messy online. It's not Hence the name. Yeah, it's not thought about correctly. People try to supplant the face-to-face dynamics onto the fundamentally different peer-to-peer communication of online. I high key think that this contributes to people going like, ah, it's just trolling, when people say and do shit online that would be considered frightening and dangerous if spoken to a stranger in real life. And it's why when you have like, I don't know, say,
1: 11 billion followers on a live stream account and you trash talk the game with the n-word, and then
0: you're confused why everyone hates you. Yeah. Fortunately, I'm not going to be talking about the kind of uniquely mean, hurtful tone and style of trash talk that dominates a lot of casual gaming. Thank God. Today is the second, (laughs) what is now a three-parter focusing on good, light examples of trash talk in eSports. Uh, here's another quick prelude. Sorry, guys, this is shorter. <laughs> How many prologues did you write? For anyone who doesn't know, esports are really big now. They're an important growing part of the cultural of the culture. TBS broadcasts Counter Strike, Global Offensive. Smaller, newer competitive games are building steam and devoted followings, like Splatoon and Catherine. <laughs> New Temple games are entering the scene as well with titles like Overwatch and Injustice 2. This is all, of course, built on established scenes with known figures, rivalries, and stories. You're just naming games that are in this bedroom, sir. Yes. <laughs> so these are all stories of trash talk. These are these are just like light, fun ones. I figured I'm gonna split the oh, analysis with like a light, gotcha. fun list. We're not gonna talk about all the horrible things people say to each Fortunately, other. Fortunately, no. Number one, nice to feet you. <laughs> Where's this one gonna go? I guess you'll have to stick the, around to find out. The bottom of the body? <laughs> StarCraft is a competitive real-time strategy game where the player must use mouse and keyboard to command their troops and lead their alien future space lizards to victory. One of its bigger names is a man called Lim Larva Hung Yu. That's right, Liam. We're gonna get a shitload of handles this episode, and it's gonna be Fucking great. Earlier this year, he was playing a match against uh, Luo Legend Xian during the Zotac tournament. Of course. The showboating began early with larva engaging in what is known as break dancing. For those not versed in Starcraft, worker units are super important. Devoting their time to taunting instead of working means means that you are forfeiting precious resources that can turn the tide late match. So what he's doing is he's like, I, I, can, I can beat you without my all my workers, like fuck this. Right. I'm and gonna handicap myself. Resources
1: in Starcraft include stars, crafts, that is it, right? I've literally never played Starcraft before.
0: It sounds. There's a hella nerdy. There's a man with a cigar and he goes, "Well, it's about time, and nerds thought <laughs> It's that about stuff. time. You Ooh, showed up. Starcraft.
1: <laughs> it's me, Detective Starcraft. I'm um, still
0: searching for my son's killer. Uh, I'm Detective Starcraft. I'm in space. I love it. Larva wins the first round and goes quiet during the second. Then, when time comes for round three, he starts to shift a little bit. Ooh, auditory medium. This is fun. He starts to recline. After destroying one of Legend's bases, Larva sends his units to the next one and then pretends to doze off. So this guy's just fully fucking going for it. Like he's sleeping in his gamer chair or pretending, oh, to, yeah. sleep his pretending chair. to sleep in his gamer chair. In Wonderful. the middle of this insane competitive match. Lovely. Then, at the end of the match, Larva does something weird. Uh-oh. In the final moments of the game, when he's... All but one he scoots back and raises his legs <laughs> foot to keyboard no larva's toes tap out the final blows winning the match fucking amazing i guess you could say he's a regular heel nice thank, thank you man. it's hysterical too he's wearing shorts and stuff so you see like a lot of upper back thigh no i mean it, it's an amazing feat of technicality <laughs> As of right now, it is uncertain whether he'll be ever allowed back to the Zotac tournament, and legend has refused to hear Larva's prompted apology. I think that's bullshit. No, he
1: towed the line between what you can do and what you can't do. Oh, boy. Yeah.
0: Dr. Shoal. Ankles. I think that's pretty fun trash talk, don't you? Yes. In, no. Yeah, like, that's uh, no. It's not insulting. It, like it's not derogatory. Well, here's any... here's my thoughts on it. The
1: in Olympic swimming in the freestyle, you can do any swim you want, any stroke. It's just this is that's the fastest one. The yeah, like the freestyle. freestyle. So I mean, like, you should be allowed to use your feet in gaming things. <laughs> it's like you shouldn't <laughs> I love this. do that. That's a dumb thing to do. You're right. But like, if he's able to win with his toes, like that
0: should not be something. Now, now you're trap. Like that's a skill that he developed. Yeah, and he was good. He was like about to win anyway. He like yeah. literally just does it for like the last couple of hits. Nah, no, he's just
1: he's just being
0: he's just being yeah. what the audiences want. I think that was just really that. fun and creative. It wasn't like making fun of somebody for like being overweight or their gender or something like that. It was just like, hey, I'm gonna use my toes. <laughs> Number two, give him the chair. At the Super Smash Brothers Melee Major, Shine 2017, things weren't looking so hot for Johnny S2J, Kim. Mm-hmm. Stuck in the loser's bracket, he had to push and fight and struggle to make it to the top to make it to a match with LG Ice, currently ranked at the 20th best Smash Fox main in the world. Mm, Large Ice. Eking out a 3-2 victory, S2J was ecstatic. So he's just beat the 20th best Smash Fox main in the world. And that means this is
1: the person who's the 20th best with Star Fox and Super Smash Bros. Melee. Yes. Yes. Boy, a lot of caveats to your uh, accomplishment title there.
0: (laughs) The two men stood up, and Ice offered a hand. Assistant to the managing director. Rather than take it, S2J picked up his chair and held it over his head as Ice laughed. (laughs) (laughs) And then something incredible happened. During every single one of his victories for the rest of the tournament... The entire crowd would raise their chairs above their head. (laughs) So dangerous. I love it. It's so awesome. It's so cool too. Like here's here's part of the reason why this story became a three-parter as I was like working on it earlier today. Was because I kept finding these stories and they're all so cool and fun that like the big one that I had wanted to focus on got pushed back, so I had to just give it its own. So he this would happen five more times as S2J secured himself a number three position in the top eight. Here's a collection of notable one-liners, because sometimes trash is just trash. No story behind it. After a decisive victory in the 2015 Dota 2 Asia Championships, 15-year-old sportsman Syed Sumail was asked how he'd feel if the game's next Storm Spirit hero, the type of hero he secured victory with, Mm -hmm. was named Sumail after him. He replied, I'd be happy. I think I deserve it. (laughs) Be your own legend. In 2013, two players named Ryu and Faker (laughs) go head-to-head in what is considered to be an incredibly important moment for Korean esports talent and esports itself, playing League of Legends. Mm. Faker goes down in the history books as the winner, and that is seemingly that, until three years later in 2016, when Faker is fighting a new contender this time, Song Fly Yongjun. On his impending match against one of eSports' greatest talents, Fly had this to say, I want to defeat Faker for Ryu, who is still dying to this day. Oh <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Fucking what? the vicious? fuck? In 2016, Korean Street Fighter player Lee Infiltration <laughs> Sh- Seon Woo Secured a 3 1 victory over his opponent, Fudo. When asked what he did to Adept, Seon Woo gave his answer. His translator, visibly cracking up, went, I can explain. Download complete. <laughs> fucking nerd this fucking nerd this is so good Ugh, arrow 404 oh that's some rad d- dorky shit good and yeah Lord. and he's in like he's in like a huge stadium that's like all these people are here actually I just have the video hang on
1: what sort of adjustment uh before you won the whole thing what sort of adjustments did you make to your game in order to beat him finally six games total in grand finals Okay, I can explain this. Download complete. Oh, and I love
0: this dude's suit. Oh yeah, the like polka dot. I'm in love with the suit. All right. When one final one-liner. The North American scene had struggled to compete with Europe in Counter-Strike, causing a bit of a complex about it. However, in 2006, the American team, Team 3D, managed to beat out their Swedish foes, Ninjas, in pajamas. (laughs) Amazing name. Amazing name. Overjoyed at their victory, Team 3D member Griffin Shaguar... Yeah. Banger shouted the following. Oh, and there it is. Team with the final flag, making a score 3 uh, What up now, sweet? Woo! What did he say?
1: What up now, sweet? Uh, Woo! I said, What a mouse spring!" Woo!
0: Cheese is the answer to that riddle. That's hysterical. That's like uh, Howard Dean screaming at that Dude, election rally. I think about that all, all the time. All the time, right? That scream cost him the whole, whole election. election the whole election our president had a lawsuit brought up against him multiple times for raping a 13 year old girl fucking bulletproof and he's and he's the fucking president i remember being a kid and seeing that on tv and my and my conservative parents like hemming and hawing and hand wringing because they're like wow this guy this guy's really something's wrong with this guy he did a scream fuck off all right, and that is uh, the conclusion of my little basket of trash talk. There is one other thing I didn't include because it's more heckling than trash talk. Sure, but there's a Street Fighter Five player whose wife gets like so fucking into it, and she's so vocal that the crowd and commentators recognize her for her trash talk. She's like in the in the like seating area, just screaming about how the other guys you suck. Who the fuck? Who the fuck do you think you are? It's it's so good. That sounds honestly incredible. Her name is Joy Redmond, Google her please. This is the end of my toe dip into eSports trash talk. Hopefully now everybody's a little more familiar with the culture of the scene and the way figures within it express themselves. That's another reason that this is a three-parter is because uh, next week I'm going to be covering a feud between Street Fighter Five eSportsman Kenneth K. Brad Bradley and Joshua, Wolf Crone with a K. Oh man. Philpot. His name's Philpot. <laughs> Hell yeah. Awesome. Philpot, I can't wait to hear about you next time. Yeah, and I think this will get everybody kind of in the mood for this this feud that has a lot more meat on them bones and therefore required its own story. Thanks for being patient with kind of the slapdash structure, everybody. I had to restructure a few things, but I hope it worked out.
1: We're going to take a quick break, hear about something from the network, and then when we get back, it's time for the Christmas portion of the Christmas episode.
0: Hello, listener. Do you like a scare, a jump, a fright? How about Maine? How do you feel about Maine? If any of those words made your heart skip a beat, then I've got a podcast for you. King Me is a monthly Stephen King podcast where I, Tom Lockney, and a guest, watch through a theatrical adaption of a work by everyone's favorite Northeastern author and talk about it with a little help from the source material. So, if you're feeling particularly brave, join me on my Descent into Terror on the Major Casts Network or wherever you find podcasts. And we're back. Do you hear that low
1: jingling of bells in the air? The snow the wreaths.
0: Whoa. Tom Santa, you're here. No. Oh, you're just as sexy as I thought you were gonna be. Get your pervertedness out of my Christmas. Tom, I don't
1: know if you know this, but today is Christmas.
0: It is. It is. Mary
1: Merry World. That's right. Once a year on December 25th, the world puts away its troubles to celebrate the birth of crass commercialism under the (laughs) guise of misappropriating pagan harvest rituals for a Jew born in the Middle East. It's the best. That's the most Liam opening there's ever been. Yes, sir. And I love it. I love every second of Me it. Me too. I love the crass commercialism of it.
0: I love our stupid, dumb Judeo Christmas country. I love. I love watching dumb movies with people. I, oh man, you know my favorite part about the holiday season is what's that? Is pretending for the sake of your family and friends that love actually isn't complete <laughs> dog shit. It is dog shit though.
1: Christmas movies is an entire genre of its own. It almost exists outside of genre because of how malle- malleable it is. W- what do you you like? Kids and family Christmas movies? Too many to count. You like horror movies? There's Christmas horror movies. Krampus. You like action movies? There's Christmas action movies. Like a ton, not yeah. just Die Hard. Like there are more Christmasy ones than Die Hard. And they're all written by Shane Black. pretty He's much every single one. <laughs> Do you like adult comedies? There are Christmas adult comedies. There is no shortage. Hell, there is even a recent trend of religious family films. Uh, and they're not going to say no to Christmas? Are you kidding? That's yeah. their fucking Super Bowl. And what's weird about that is like filmmaking is really accessible right now. Uh, more than it's ever been. You can make a decent-looking movie with just the right small investments and gumption, and religious groups have those in spades. Look at the company Pure Flicks behind God's Not Dead and other Christian-friendly films. They've gotten huge attention and pretty decent stars to be in what is essentially propaganda. Well, this level of accessibility has also helped the direct-to-DVD market, an industry that I literally will never not be fascinated with. Again, cheap equipment, cheap software, and you've got young, hungry people who want to work in crews to get experience. We're gonna do stories about Pure flicks. we're gonna talk about one day, we're gonna talk about the direct-to-DVD market sometime in the future. But on this special holiday, I wanted to talk about the strangest sort of Venn diagram between Christian cinema, Christmas cinema, and the direct-to-DVD market. Because we're going to talk about a little number called Saving Christmas. Uh, I want to thank last week's guest Eric McAdams because he sent me this story over a month ago and it is a truly weird tale uh, you could say that this story this section of the podcast is based off of a paste article Eric sent me <laughs> part one the old man from up is Santa uh, Ed Asner
0: is I a... I know that's not true because that incorrect. old man, that old man from up not sexy at all. I'm really harping on this yeah but you're also incorrect oh.
1: Ed Asner is an American actor, still alive to this day. He's been on film and television and was even the president of the Screen Actors Guild. He played Mary Tyler Moore's curmudgeony boss Lou Grant on the comedy The Mary Tyler Moore Show and was so popular he got a spinoff that was a drama. That would what? be like if Jack Donaghy got a West Wing-style spinoff that was played
0: serious. Bizarre.
1: He's also a huge 9-11 truther. <laughs> oh, my God. Which is
0: just the best. I was waiting for another shoe to drop. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, in the later days of his career, he's pretty much done a lot of voice acting in a lot of, like, uh, uh, non-American animation companies. will use him in in English speaking movies or dubs, I guess. He was also, in his most notable role, Old Man Carl in the Pixar movie Up. He's also played Santa Claus a number of times, including in Elf. was probably the most famous outing as Santa. Uh, But in 2017, he portrayed Santa Claus twice in two different direct-to-DVD films. One is called Santa Stole Our Dog, A Married Dog on Christmas, which okay. I absolutely refuse to look up because, again, whatever is in my head is going to be better than the truth.
0: What does Santa want with the dog? Who knows? He's got reindeer. Exactly. They're like sharper dogs. I know.
1: I know. <laughs> Tom I know. (laughs) I wrote this story at work today. I finished before noon. I have been thinking about what doggone Christmas is about all day.
0: How do they get it back? How do they get to the North Pole? I don't know.
1: I I refuse to look up any answers. They
0: all go and they just freeze to death. It's a very bleak film. The
1: other Christmas movie that he plays Santa in is called Saving Christmas. And here's the thing about Saving Christmas as a title. That movie already exists, and it is extremely notorious. Part two. The kid from Growing Pains is a lunatic. (laughs) Okay. Kirk Cameron. Oh, yeah. Is the kid from Growing Pains. So I keep bringing this up, but uh, we're going to do a larger story about Kirk Cameron one day, someday down the line. But. All you need to know is that he was the star of the 80s sitcom Growing Pains, from his age of 15 to when he was 22. He was nominated for two Golden Globes, that's how popular the show was. And he was a staunch atheist until he turned 17 and became an evangelical, born-again, Christian, and literally nothing is the same. Again, we'll get more into it, but he basically alienated himself from traditional Hollywood with his conservative ideology not a fan of the lgbtq community i know this because every youtube video uh, sorry every other youtube video i found of him when trying to do research for this was him saying stupid things yeah
0: he is he has not been a a friend to us and
1: his insistence on converting literally everybody there's a story about how like he tried to convert alan thick who
0: played as a dad on the show and alan thick was just like What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand this. That's a that's a weird thing. This is another when I was growing up anecdote but like when I was growing up I was taught uh in church and at home that you should always try to like convert your friends and and people in your life because like if they're if they are mad at you then they're bad people and because good people would understand like oh they just want me to go to heaven or something like that. (laughs) Cool. So in the last few years, with the rise of independent Christian cinema, Kirk Cameron
1: saw his way back. He starred in the Rapture film series, Left Behind, which was also a Nicolas Cage movie of the yeah. same thing. Oh, I've
0: read those books. I read those books as a kid. Sure you are. <laughs> this episode is, is hitting a little really too close to home for
1: you. Hitting extremely close to home inside of my body. He made the sanctity of marriage and anti-porn Monstrosity fireproof. And then in 2014, he made a little movie called Saving Christmas. It's his attempt at the sort of, like, take the season's greetings and happy holidays out of Christmas. We're going to be saying Merry Christmas. Put the Christ back in Christmas. All
0: right. Let's read the Wikipedia plot. I'm going to go ahead and take a wild (laughs) guess and say that Kirk Cameron got mad about the Starbucks cups. Oh, probably. In a framing sequence, Cameron,
1: as himself, addresses the audience from beside a fireplace explaining his love of Christmas. Cameron goes to express his views on the contemporary celebration of Christmas, which includes his belief that atheists have tried to take the holiday away and that Santa Claus is a Christian.
0: I think it's, you know what my favorite part about every single movie is, is when it opens and like Guillermo del Toro walks (laughs) out. He's lecturing me. And he says, listen, the shape, here's what the shape of water is about. Here's what you're about to see and here's what it all means. Just so you know, hey gang, enjoy the film. Also, here's my viewpoints that you should be following because atheists
1: are trying to take it away from you <laughs> uh, so he says that santa claus is a christian and he criticizes fundamentalist christians who have politicized the holiday by tying the celebration to pagan traditions and making accusations that the holiday has become too tied to materialism the film then switches to its main narrative in which cameron attends a christmas party at his sister's house
0: <laughs> riveting stuff yeah this is fascinating uh there he what's he kn- gonna do later go to a barbecue <laughs> Wow, these this chicken's so dry. I'm Kirk Cameron and I'm white. Here's what my barbecue looks like is I put a piece of chicken on a grill for like 40 minutes until it's dry as a fucking bone, no seasoning, and then I unhinge my jaw and swallow it whole. He then notices that his brother-in-law, Christian,
1: isn't celebrating like the other guests. Christian is played by the co-writer and director of this movie. He might actually be Kirk Cameron's real-life brother-in-law. i tried to do research on it, was not able to verify. What? Yeah, the internet is weird. So basically, Christian is like, Kirk, they've stolen Christmas away from us, the true Christians. Then Cameron is like, ah, oh, they haven't. And he tells Christian that he is wrong. He recites the story of the nativity.
0: And then meanwhile, two guests of the party discuss conspiracy theories, and then Cameron's like, shame on you. Wow, he's really breaking new ground with how somebody, you know, tells a story. You ready for this one? No. He says
1: that all of the Christmas stuff we celebrate can all be traced back to the Bible and God. The Christmas tree. Well, God created trees. End of argument. He also says that since God created trees, we can look at a Christmas tree to represent a
0: Christian cross. You know the, the the like centipede crosses that Christians were known for. So every time you see a Christmas tree, think of it as another way to see a cross. Okay, weird. I love thinking. I love thinking about medieval torture devices constantly in my day to day. Hey, can we talk about? It? I know. I know that religious iconography is a thing, and I'm really not trying to like step on anybody's religion. I don't have any problem if you are a Christian, despite my experience as a child. It is a little. It is a little weird, isn't it, that the religious symbol is the torture device of the cross, where men yeah, br- and their the legs thing. were broken and they starved to death on.
1: And then it was, and you, 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 if you if you light one on fire, it means a very specific message. Yeah. So, uh, Cameron then just argues uh, historically about the holiday, including its date and the role of the three wise men. Like, there's no actual proof that Jesus was born in December, and Kirk Cameron is like, no, the Bible, so there you go. All right. Cameron ties the nativity directly to the crucifixion, saying that baby Jesus' swall- uh, swaddling cloth was a foreshadowing of his burial shroud. Oh my God. And that his gifts of frankincense and myrrh were used to treat dead bodies in the form of primitive embalming. He even encourages what? Christians. In I don't the know. fuck? He even encourages Christian and the audience to place nutcrackers around the nativity sets to represent Harad soldiers during the massacre of the innocents. Kirk Cameron is a DD nerd.
0: Can, he, he's just making stuff up. Like, you can't
1: just make stuff up. He also then talks about the story of Saint Nicholas, who basically I watched the video for this one. He basically uh-huh. says that um, see there were a bunch of Christians that were like Jesus was not real and we're going to get rid of him and then Saint Nicholas was like no.
0: How are they going to get rid of <laughs> They're Jesus just gonna write it a out person they in thought in the rewrite? Yeah, like <laughs> what? What's the dramatic tension
1: there? That they're gonna erase a line in a book? My theory is that they were like, listen, the Jesus part is really distracting. We wanna just write it as like He's a book of so things. so hot. A, <laughs> we just want it as like a book of rules to live your life by. And then people were like, but then I can't persecute others in the, <laughs> in the name of some white dude. With all this knowledge, Christian joyously declares, Santa is the man. He sure is. So ecstatic at finding the Christ in Christmas, Christian, as a gift to his wife, organizes a hip hop dance, symbolizes symbolize his love for Christmas, and then everyone who was in the movie break dances to a hip hop theme, uh, a hip hop remix of "Angels We Have Heard on High." I watched that sequence. We can watch it later. I was gonna show you some <laughs> of the trailers, this and stuff, but I don't think it's worth it. I don't
0: think it's necessary. I don't want to see the trailers for this movie. I don't want to hear his voice or see his face.
1: Oh, so their argument for presents is that when you lay them down in front of the tree, it symbolizes the skyline of the New Jerusalem.
0: What the fuck? Part three: The
1: director of the Blink 182 music video, damn it, is also a raging lunatic. The film <laughs> this film Saving Christmas is directed, co-written, and co-starring Kirk's might be brother-in-law, Darrin Dwayne who's directed music videos for the following artists: Blink 182, Jason Mraz, The Zach Brown Band, Uncle Cracker Genuine, Jimmy Eat World, and Buck Cherry. Wow. He now makes ultra right-wing documentaries about free speech titled The Free Speech Apocalypse or Stonewall because I don't know what uh, like off the Stonewall, right? I guess. He interviews right- wing racist nutjob Doug Wilson and makes His and allows Doug Wilson to defend himself.
0: You oh literally God. can't
1: make this shit up. Part 4. The Kid from Growing Pains is not only a huge lunatic, but has a huge ego and it's dumb about the internet. <laughs> yeah. Saving Christmas debuted on 410 screens on November 14th, 2014. If you ask me, that's 425 screens too many. <laughs> <laughs> One of them's in hell. Yep. On its first weekend, the film came in 15th place with ticket sales of 992,087, with a per screen average of about 2,420. In its six-week six run, it grossed over $2 million. What was the budget for this? 500000 That's... Uh... It was considered a box office success. That's very unfortunate. But Kirk Cameron didn't care because he has a thin skin and is a little whiny baby boy because... <laughs> This should have been great news, but see, Kirk read the critical reception. Oh, okay.
0: On Rotten Tomatoes, the film received a rating of 0% based wow. on 13 reviews. Oh, man, I'm so excited for this. I love it when directors get not mad oh, about Oh, he didn't direct it. He was just the star, oh, the star and the producer. I love it when creatives get not mad about Oh, don't call Kirk Cameron them. a creative. <laughs> That's okay, insulting to
1: the, the idea of creativity. Yeah. It had an average rating of 1.7 over 10. On Metacritic, the film received a 18 out of 100 based on nine critics, indicating overwhelming dislike. New York Times film critic Ben Kinnigsberg said that Cameron's acting sounds so forced you have to expect the camera to pull back to reveal hostage takers. (laughs) Billings Gazette named it the worst Christmas movie of all time, and Will Nickel of Digital Trends included it on his list of the 10 worst movies ever made. Ever. (laughs) (laughs) I love it when movie critics get mean. Christy Lemire picked Saving Christmas as the worst film she's ever had to review. In the, Chris- I believe her. In the Christian Post, an evangelical what? Christian newspaper. <laughs> this movie made us uncomfortable, and we're evangelical Christians.
0: <laughs> That's hysterical.
1: So, what do you do when you're Kirk Cameron? Well, you turn to the internet on his Facebook. Help me storm the gates of Rotten Tomatoes. All of you who love saving Christmas, go rate it at <sighs> Rotten Tomatoes right now and send the message to all the critics that we decide this what movies dumb- we want our families
0: to see this dumb motherfucker has no idea how rotten tomatoes works he accompanied with this picture you want to describe this for the folks at home what a fucking twerp he he's he's holding two tomatoes and one of them says fresh fresh or one of them says fresh and the other one says rating yeah and he has like a weird grin and somebody else has clearly taken the photo for him I, I I hope to God they're safe and okay right now and far away from him. It's sort of like his version
1: of the love-hate knuckle tattoos, the Fresh Ratings tomato tattoos. Yeah. While the internet may be a bad place, it might be a scary place. Sometimes it can put a real smile on my face.
0: Yeah, what did they do? What did the internet do to Kirk Cameron, Liam?
1: Reddit and YouTube cracked their knuckles, and in three weeks they made Saving Christmas the lowest rated movie on IMDb. (laughs) (laughs) Because of that, it garnered attention. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And it swept at the Razzies, only because of this. It won Worst Picture, Worst Actor, Worst Screenplay, and the impressive
0: win in Worst Screen Combo. For Kirk Cameron and his ego. See, I feel like that's what the Razzies should be used for. Mm -hmm. Their powers for good to just like rip rip some chump a new asshole and not make fun of like Holly Berry for having the misfortune to be in a superhero film when nobody knew how to make him. Also, Catwoman's not really that bad, it's very
1: silly. Cameron's response was the typical "I'm not playing anymore" response, claiming that like Reddit and atheists bombarded the film because of its viewpoints. When... You can
0: really tell how I'm correct because literally everyone hates me. Yeah, but um, in reality, Kirk Kirk's a
1: shit and Max Landis. Part five. <laughs> well, watch Bright coming to Netflix September twenty second. You ever ask yourself, hey, what if Will Smith and an orc? <laughs> Think no more. From the director of Suicide Squad and the writer of <laughs> Chronicle, Chronicle oh, 2. Boy. Let's get this party started comes Bright. You want to hear a spoiler for Bright? Do you want to know where the title comes from? What? That's where? what they call magic wand users. Oh, call them wow. Brights. Part 5. The director of the newer Saving Christmas is a weird dude. There's
0: a, so is it a reboot? Nope. Nothing to Sequel? do with it. Oh, okay.
1: Which begs the question, why would you title a movie Saving Christmas? Because, like, here's the thing I looked up the trailer for the Kirk Cameron Saving Christmas. I wanted to watch it, get kind of like a sense of it. It took me a while to find the trailer because it's one of, like, Film Critic YouTube's favorite movies to do long ass oh. reviews where they just knock it into the mud. Rightfully so. But, like, it's, you can't Google search it without all of this
0: stuff coming up like it would be impossible to not know about it you'd have to you'd have to churn through a sea of influencers and god knows i want them to stay far away from me so this is straight
1: from the paste article uh the the person who dug who the, who the writer's name is jim Vorl. when
0: he dug oh, into yeah, the jim story Vorl,
1: yeah yeah he he did uh, like this is i would highly recommend reading his article yeah he's, uh, he's a very good writer um i just i just really like getting into kirk cameron so i got to do <laughs> i got to do uh, got uh, to shoehorn that that <laughs> end so if you type in "Saving Christmas 2017" into YouTube, the first result is a Minecraft video. Like,
0: fuck
1: uh, off! No, like you can't. That's the thing is, you can't not know about the original one. It's impossible. Uh. So the movie is about kids trying to find Santa Claus, and when it was being made, mm-hmm. it was known it was supposed to be called the Santa Files. <laughs> I, know. I know. Now not one no. word like the X Files. Not oh. like the Santa file, oh. like you. <laughs> like me. Yeah. Mm. Who made this thing, you ask? Well, that would be the writer director Tom DeNucci. He was an actor in movies such as Blood Circus, Incubus Pull <laughs> of the K, and The Getter. As a director, his most prominent work before Saving Chris Santa files the Christmas story oh too, my God. was a film called, I am not making this up, Arlo the Burping Pig. <laughs> Drake Bell voices a little pig named Arlo. He befriends a little girl. And there's a heist involving a priceless Ming-Era Oz. Typical movie stuff. Yeah, normal. Um, so for some reason, <laughs> Jim Vorrell does this deep dive. And he learns that uh, there are these six behind-the-scene YouTube videos of the making of The Santa Files. Incredible. We're, and are we
0: going to watch them, Liam? We're going to watch one. Okay.
1: Uh, at the end. We're going to talk about the six. Uh, Because they're long and really weird. All right. Uh, You can learn a lot about Tom DeNucci from this. They were made with the help of this comedian named Brad Pierce, and I don't get them. There's one where it's just them reporting from the set that someone on set was walking a dog and someone was cleaning a pair of Chuck Taylor Converses, and that's the end of that video.
0: Weird. How lynchian. During How the, positively lynchian. During
1: the introduction of the video, Pierce is interrupted mid-sentence by a loud car horn, which causes him to stop and look around, but then they just keep doing whatever they're doing anyway. No need for a second take. <laughs> oh my god. Because the kids in the movie are, like, conspiracy theorists about Santa, they interview the cast and crew about ghosts, UFOs, and Bigfoot. And uh, when asked about UFOs, ghosts, and Bigfoot, a half-awake, regretful-looking Edna Asner claims, I would leave my body when I was a kid. <laughs> what? I don't know, man. Uh Danucci's obsessed with pro wrestlers. He interviews different casts about their favorite pro wrestlers, including Tommy Dreamer, who is a professional wrestler, but in the interview, Denucci never brings up that he's talking to a pro wrestler. Mm-hmm. He's talking about pro wrestling with a pro wrestler, but never mentions that he's talking to a pro wrestler. <laughs> One of the actors also gives the creepiest answer to what will your finishing move be when he says I would show people to death with my kneecaps.
0: Why do people think it's normal and okay to say these things? I don't know. But
1: um, I'm going to read, I would like to read the ending of Jim's article because I think it's really funny and I think it sums up just this weird deep dive that you can do and I highly recommend doing. Why does this film exist? How can it exist in a world where Kirk Cameron saving Christmas is widely acknowledged? What kind of trauma is happening in the life of Ed Asner when an 87 year old seven time Emmy winner, oh I forgot to say he is the record number for Emmys won by a male television actor. <laughs> Amazing.
0: Ah, um, oh, what a good, what a good little story soup you've made here, Liam. Mm-hmm.
1: Why did he do this movie and a movie about Santa stealing dogs? I'm paraphrasing a little bit. I'm afraid I don't have the answers to any of these questions. With that said, you'll probably want to hurry and watch these movies before Kirk Cameron's lawsuit against his finalized. <laughs> um, I'll leave you with a final YouTube video that as of this morning, as of November 15, 2017, had like three views. It's Tommy DiNucci and the comedian and they're talking about sleep. So we're gonna quickly watch that video. It's so early in the morning for me.
0: Yeah, you know, I get up early and I love it. You know, I, I don't sleep a lot. And, uh...
1: That's why you're yeah. successful. That's my Nah, problem. you
0: can't sleep, man. Sleeping's such a waste of time. But it's like, what are you, just laying there?
1: Yeah, you just- you're you basically
0: practicing dying. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing in there? Yeah. If you're sick, sleep, I guess. I, I guess, if you're gonna be a pansy if, about it. If you're it. sick. End of the video. That's so weird. They were just- there was no context for that. They were just sitting- if you'd shown that to me without telling me any of this, I would have had- no idea what's going on. First of all, because I don't know who either of these two people are, but also just because, like, what? why am I watching this? Behind the scenes, why are they talking about this? Does this have anything to do with the movie? That's so strange.
1: People talk a lot about the auteur theory in film, and I think that <laughs> oh, theory man. is really stupid because even the, like, closest people, that two auteurs, had, like, huge film crews. But Danucci, I don't know, man. I think he gets it. Yeah.
0: Also, I see it. I see what you're talking about. Uh, Kurt Cameron, can you eat my ass? Happy <laughs> holidays, everybody. Fuck you, Kurt Cameron. From from all the gay community, go fuck yourself.
1: Uh, and that's my story. The little Christmas story that could.
0: Hell yeah, dude. Good story. Fun story. So weird.
1: So sometimes we talk about bummer stuff, but today we just talked about weirdness. And sometimes we like to balance that out with a little trip
0: down to self-care corner. We sure do. Where we just talk about a nice, fun thing that happened in our lives and in our weeks. If you'd like your self-care corner right on the air, you can email us at mediamajospodcast at gmail.com. Sometimes it's nice to just have a nice thing about your life said out loud. Mm -hmm. Uh, My self-care corner, speaking of white men who are overly celebrated, last night I watched a film written by Damien Chazelle. It's the best thing he's ever made. It's called Grand Piano, and it stars Elijah Wood. And it's about a, like, disgraced former grand pianist getting on a stage. You laughed at pianists. I (laughs) did. Come on, man. And all of a sudden he notices, oh, my God, that's the red dot from a sniper rifle On my hand. And then what unfolds is the most ridiculous, self serious. Like, I don't know if y'all have noticed this. This was pointed out to me uh, by Maddie. Damien Chazelle thinks that music is the most important thing in the entire world and thinks that it contains the totality of the human experience and to see it applied so ridiculously with this pulse scenario it's a really enjoyable watch i had a great time watching it it was very fun i like whiplash a lot la la land is a piece of shit but (laughs) whiplash is great
1: um I mean, it hasn't happened yet, but by the time you're listening to this, I'll have been in D.C. for a couple of days, oh, and I'm looking forward to the
0: cold. All alone. Remind me. Of I your death. I can't remember the taste of snow. Yeah, you so. can't.
1: I'm going to dive my ha- head into a big snow pet, So I'm looking
0: forward to that. I do miss snow. It is also very warm out here, and I'm very into that. This is true. That's it. We All can, right, we can wrap this. Dog we can wrap show this up. son of a gun up. Tune in next week for the finale to my little trilogy. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Media Majors Cast. Already told y'all the email. You're welcome mm-hmm. in advance.
1: Uh, check out the other shows on the network. We have a lot. We're make, We're doing some more ones. We won't be on them, which is really exciting. Yes,
0: is <laughs> a relief. And you can rate and review us on iTunes. Please do if you enjoy our content. It really helps us get discovered. And as always, we'll be there for you. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay Major.